0: So the first roofing company I worked with did not have a PA on site, and it got very frustrating for me because when I would see a very dirtbag roof and it gets
1: the denial, there was nowhere to turn. And then they're like, oh, well, you're a PA, you're not worth the shit, you didn't get us any money. It's like, well, if you would have given me this thing from the beginning, yeah, I could have created this incredible uh, claim this incredible story too because i call it a story sometimes where you've got you got little miss johnson old lady 80 years old and i put all this in my letter she can't walk in the house she can't do this she's suffering from this damage up here there's probably mold growing and what are you gonna do and she needs to get paid and then boom you get paid
0: when i became a pa and i saw that oh they also forgot these other
1: 23 items I'm like, oh my goodness. I was getting ripped off as a roofer. We've got people in the courses that man, they could write an exactimate estimate like you wouldn't believe, but they've got angry clients. They can't figure out the insurance adjusters. They can't get what they want on claims. And it's just funny how you mentioned those soft skills. It just made me think about that, how important that is.
0: And we can make sure that you like, if you have some water come in into the uh, to the wood floor, but you also had a potted plant near there don't move that plant they're going to attribute that water damage to you over watering that plant right you got to move that thing suck get that in the kitchen get you know i have to move it you know but and it's just because i've learned now because in the past as a roofer i'd be oh come on in adjuster here we go you know and they'll see nah deny oh dang why that tree I mean, she ain't watered it, it's a dead tree.
1: That's another thing that drives me crazy is I get a lot of clients say, Hey, which insurance should I get? And they send me whatever it is that their agent sends them. Yeah. The agents now they don't even send. Sometimes they don't even send a deck page. Oh, wow! They'll send you like four options. That all it says is the insurance company name, uh-huh. the policy limit, the deductible, and yep. how much the premium is. Yep. No exclusions. No endorsements. Yep. no Nothing.
0: We carry we carry a a, a high number of claims uh, just because our team is uh, two hundred deep, and so.
1: What's up, advocates? And welcome back to another episode of the Claims Game Podcast. My name is Vince Perry. I'm your host, licensed and certified public adjuster in the states of Florida, Texas, California, and North Carolina. Uh, remember that you could follow us on social media. You can follow us on LinkedIn, on Facebook, and on Instagram. And make sure you visit claim, uh, commercialclaimsadvocate.com for all of the information for all of our meetups, like the one we're going to have in Tampa. We're also going to have one in Miami, and all of our courses as well, as well as consulting. So let's get right into it. Claims Game Podcast today is with my good friend, Abahi. Abahi is just an amazing individual. She actually was the one who sparked me into starting this whole social media thing. She was the first adjuster that I found on YouTube with an actual successful following and some really good videos. Uh, Abahi is a licensed and certified independent adjuster and public adjuster in the state of Georgia. Uh, so make sure uh, she she knows her stuff. Uh, she works for... She works for... Um, Metro Public Adjustment. Uh, Metro Public Adjustment is actually a really cool idea. It's a public adjusting firm, and they're located throughout the country. And they actually they actually give leads, and it seems like a really good corporation-style public adjusting firm uh, that she's working for. She really enjoys it. She could even have public adjusters under her. Very, very cool idea, very cool concept. Make sure that you visit uh, Metro Public Adjustment on their website. Uh, but more importantly, Abahi, like I said, very, very smart, smart individual. She knows her stuff about public adjusting and frankly she's really um, she's really focused on the consumer. She's really focused on the people and you're going to see that in this interview where her number one priority always and always has been the customer, the person, and the individual who has just suffered the loss. It's not about the money. So really, really great conversation. I think you're going to like it. Make sure that you follow Abahi. She's got her own YouTube channel. She's on Instagram. She's on Facebook and she's on LinkedIn as well. So make sure you go follow her and follow her now. She's got really good content and good content not just for public adjusters, but for independent adjusters. She's got her own course as well, and it focuses on making sure that you pass the exam. I get questions all the time about the exam and how to pass it and what to do. She actually has a course that she has built just to help you pass that exam. So make sure you reach out to her and go check her out. You're going to really enjoy it, just like I think you're going to enjoy this podcast. So are you ready? Go ahead. Let's check it out right now. Welcome to the Claims Game Podcast
0: with Vince Perry. Get all the tips you need from insurance claim advocates and professionals and grow your public adjusting career to the next level. And now, the commercial claims advocate, Vince Perry.
1: We're vibing. We're vibing.
0: All right. I didn't know you were a DJ you like that? You see I that? Didn't, I didn't know you were a DJ, man. When That's I when I
1: smooth vibes. When I went on Fiverr to find somebody, the first question and I found somebody, and I, the first question they asked, "What kind of music do you like?" and mm-hmm. I said, "Hip hop. That is my okay. favorite kind of music." So he's okay. like, "Okay, got you." And then he came up with that, and I was just like, "We're good."
0: I really? Like- what? In one yeah. try?
1: In one, just try, one try? I liked it.
0: Yeah. Your Fiverr operates different than my Fiverr. <laughs>
1: I take a lot of time, though, in actually trying to find the right person. I don't know about you. I go like five stars and up or level three and up or whatever. Okay. And I'm willing to also I'm not afraid to spend the extra money sure. and, ta- and do that like the level. Like, you know how they always have like three different price options. Yep. I'm not afraid to go to the second or third price option for something because I feel like I get a little bit better.
0: Yeah. Response. OK, OK. That's I'm like a level. I'm like one to two only because I guess i have a soft spot for people getting started and of course i do think maybe i could get a deal i have a i have a lot that i do so trying to uh so i know that like if i do price per piece let's say thumbnails for youtube videos five dollars a piece for some people but if i can get them all bulk then maybe i could get a discount however it never turns out right so I'm trying to you know actually learn my lesson from from that and uh, try to not do it on my own which I think women may not be as good as with as men are I think men are really good about hey let me grab a partner let me grab a buddy a friend let me get an assistant like Ray Kroc he had an assistant like from very early on but of course in that time they had to have a phone somebody answer the phones while they were on the road but I think if a female did it she would maybe just do an answering service let me speak for me not all females sorry about that I just want to speak for me I would probably just do my answer do the calls when I got to a place and do an answering service or such like that because
1: I try to do too much on my own well, this is why I wanted to have you on, Abahi. Why I'm really excited is that you were one of my uh, influencing influencers when I first started all this.
0: What? Really? <laughs>
1: you've been doing it for longer than I have. I have been doing
0: it since 2018, and I started because I failed. And that's one thing all people always are nervous about is failing. Some in Facebook groups, I commend them because they failed more than twice and they still keep trying, and you should. My mom failed her nursing test five, well, she took it five times. She passed on the fifth time. And I think it's it's not really uh, the failing uh, because, like Edison will say, I didn't, I don't fail. I just found ways that things didn't work. Well, with, when I failed my property and casualty test the first time, I was very confused because I'm an AB student and so me not passing the test just is like oil and water it just didn't mix so of course when you hit this kind of wall everything else stops and you tune in and you focus in and that may be a few people's issue when it does come to studying blocking out the world when you're studying for a property and casualty or any license you have to forget about what sports are going on gotta forget about the pools we were talking about the weather earlier you have to forget about the social part and focus in so I did that for two weeks and I turned to YouTube University which is of course the second largest search engine and I realized there's a lot of information actually already out there on explaining concepts and topics on the test. However, searching for it is really hard because those who post the videos aren't using the correct tags, aren't using the correct descriptions. And that's where I found the gap, essentially. As somebody who, as a kid, I used to collect the AOL CDs. Do you remember those when they yes. used to be like sixty-three hours?
1: You're showing your age, your body.
0: (laughs) When I just said 63 hours, people are going to be like, what in the world? Yes, you had to pay per hour. It was like they were whores back then. Yeah, And I used to collect those because I liked how you get 60 seconds for somebody to say yay or nay. And I also like that about magazines that's my favorite place to go to see like ads and uh, marketing so I've always enjoyed marketing and when I I used to work with uh, Google maps and so I used to all study marketing during that time and with the boom of e-commerce the boom of online courses happened I'm like, wow, people do want to pass this exam, but they, if they went and searched for it, it would look like information wasn't there on the web. There's a guy, a few people actually out there who I still refer people to, but unless you know his name or her name, you're just not going to find them. So uh, that's, you know, that's where I started three years ago, just helping people pass. And I really just been catalog, uh, cataloging my journey since then.
1: Yeah, I'm glad you mentioned that because a lot of people get discouraged. Like, for instance, uh, I failed my Florida test the first time I took it. I failed the California test the first time I took it. I was lucky enough to pass the Texas test the first time I took it. And I do get, and I'm sure you do as well, I get a lot of people messaging me all the time like, what do I do to study for this test? What can I do to pass this test? I can't pass it. But I think it's good to know that even someone like yourself who was always very good at school, probably even very good at test taking, it's not an easy test. And it takes a lot of preparation. And I think what you're doing online and helping adjusters do that is phenomenal.
0: Thanks. Yeah, that preparation is is true, tried and true because you do want to be prepared. And the worst part about it is you want to for people who are listening and they haven't taken the test or maybe they're looking back at taking it, focusing in for two weeks out of your life can really lead to a big difference because we got, I guess, Fred is coming around. If you don't, aren't licensed today, trying to pass the exam tomorrow is not going to allow you to work, Fred. Right? You have to be prepared, and I think the sense of urgency may be missing a little bit from some characters. Uh, but for for those who are studying, my biggest advice is really just focus in. You delete the apps, the tenders, the Instagrams, the Reddits, Delete those. And just have property and casualty flashcards, have a, a, a course books, those types of things where, and you can build them yourself too, I'm, uh, different apps, you can put in your own questions and you can make your own flashcards. And by doing that, you get to read the material, those types of things really help. But I just, the course I use, I just needed some additional feedback i'm an audio visual learner so i have to see and hear it and when you're just looking at a book or you're just looking at a screen and there's talking in the background you're snoozing off you know 20 minutes goes by and you're like oh shoot you know now i gotta get to work you know forget this and you don't come back to it so i just encourage everybody oops hold on i'm sorry
1: that's okay
0: (laughs) i don't know what happened i touched i touched my key I touch my keyboard and something happens. Sorry about that.
1: No, but like you were saying, I mean, I think it's, I think it's very important to, to zero in, to focus in, you know, one of the tips that I give that I like to give to people is, um, practice questions. Uh, that's something I actually learned from my wife. My wife is uh, probably one of the smartest people I know. And when it comes to taking tests, I mean, she could literally like not even know about the subject, mm-hmm. have a little bit of preparation, And she passes it, and I hate her for it. (laughs) But one thing that she actually told me that I've, has found, that helped me a lot with the Texas exam, which I was able to pass on the first try, was instead of focusing so much on actually learning the material, or shall we say, memorizing the material, Mm -hmm. to really actually focus on taking the practice exam. Taking the practice questions. Spend the bulk of your time just answering more and more questions. Cause I know like on some of the on some of the different places that you can get practice exams, they give you like a hundred practice exams that you can take. And what I did for Texas was I just was I had it on my phone. I was able to log in on my phone and I'd be in bed at night and I'd say, <laughs> Okay, I'm gonna take I'm gonna take twenty I'm gonna take <clears throat> I'm just gonna knock out twenty questions right now. And no matter how you did, you did you would do your best. And then every day my goal was My goal was, depending on how far away it was, let's say if I was a month away from the exam, I'd be like, okay, 30 minutes a day, 15 minutes on practice exams, 15 minutes on the material. And then as I got closer, it was an hour a day, 30 and 30. But I think a mistake that a lot of people make is they focus the bulk of their time of trying to learn and memorize and learn and memorize. And then they forget about the practice questions because I think that just getting better at answering the questions is another little skill that you have to learn in itself besides actually knowing the information does that make sense
0: oh yeah
1: my mom was the same way for her nursing. she's the one that
0: told me to take practice questions I have a project management degree degree uh well it's a, I guess it's a certification I actually do have a master's in it too but the the certification test my mom said Take practice questions. And what you find yourself doing, you start with the 15, 30 minutes. It's almost like working out. You get yeah. the mind, the mind like, okay, at first 15 minutes seems like three days, but then you get to an hour where you're just like, shoot, I'm I'm not, nothing's else doing, the food's cooking, I'm home alone. Just keep going. And then the weekend before, you might spend that whole Saturday or that whole Sunday, just five, six hours studying or taking practice questions which I recommend with you I tell people two to three hundred practice questions a day four to five days leading up to the exam take a test just take it take it take it your body gets used to sitting down for an hour and a half two hours which me In 15 minutes, when I go take the test at the testing center in 15 minutes, I'm like, I need a bathroom break like I'm already (laughs) fidgeting it's almost kind of like it's like warm ups like hold on okay I warmed up I need to go sit down on the bench for a second stretch you know get some water and then I can go back in because I've taken. The Georgia exam initially twice, then I took the New York exam, and then I took the Georgia exam again to do my uh, PA license. So I've done four of them just sounds like you've done four. so uh, in this by the time I did that fourth one I think I was done in about 50 minutes I also had a flight to catch that day so that probably put a little bit of uh, gusto in my uh, test taking. And one last piece of advice I'll give people too is that when you take the exam. Once you select an answer, do not change that answer unless you know it's wrong. Go with your gut feeling and just call it a day. Changing answers is where people also
1: uh, second guess themselves. And usually people are right the first time. Oh, my goodness. I changed so many answers on <laughs> my Texas exam. And thank God it worked out OK. Actually, if I probably wouldn't have changed it, I don't even know if I would have. Passed it. I did good, though. I can't believe I did so good. But yeah, I went back and I changed a lot of them. And I, and as I was changing them, I'm just like, this is not good. If I'm changing all these answers, it's not going to go well. And thankfully, they gave you the results right there. And it was, it's like an 80. Like a, I got like an 84, 86 or something oh, like nice, that. Nice. Like, they don't me, give us like, ours,
0: our score once you pass. How no? did you do? Uh-uh, how did you do
1: your apprenticeship? I'm always like, did you have to do one in Florida? So actually, it's been that long i was the first year of apprentices uh, that ah. it, yeah before it was it sucked cuz i'm like man all i had to do was pass an exam but i had to do the apprenticeship And now it's six months back then it was a year. Uh, But yeah, I did the apprenticeship for one year and then I took the exam and then I was officially licensed.
0: Oh, I see. See, that's that sense of urgency again. Right. If we get it done as soon as possible, we don't have to worry about the other changes that come up. How do you recommend people doing it now? I have a ton of people in Florida who are like eager, ready to go. They just don't know what to do. How, how
1: are you recommending it now for people? I'm not crazy about the law of uh, about an apprentice not being able to sign a claim. It puts yeah. a burden on the on the licensed adjuster. You know, for several reasons. I mean, for one, the idea of an apprentice, the idea of it, I understand and I like it. It's, hey, get your feet wet, learn how to do this, learn how to figure it out, and and, and you'll be a better adjuster. Uh, The problem is, is that as an apprentice, you're very very, um, uh, restricted as to really what you can do. If you can't sign your own claims, what's the point of going out there and networking? I see. You know, what's the point of going out there and getting those leads and going to these houses when you have to drag someone else with you to actually sign the claim? Sure. And then you could have the adjuster, which is probably not legal or unethical, give you a contract that's signed. But even if they did that, which, I, again, I'm not sure if it's even allowed, even if they did that, then what would happen is now you've got an adjuster who's licensed. What I was saying, if I remember correctly, is about the apprentices is that, so we'll, we'll cut it if we have to, but whatever you were saying was probably really good. Um, um, it sucks because it, it really is It's restricted on the apprentice who could go out and, and, and get leads and go sign claims because two things happen. When they go, on, when they go to a house, let's say, they either have to drag the licensed adjuster with them or if they do the unethical thing and get a contract that's already signed. But that's now going to hurt the license adjuster who's on it, who's going wow. to be looked at as to, you know, what's going on with this claim? Is it a good claim? And so on and so forth. And it, I think it just confuses things. It's, it's hard for an apprentice to find an apprenticeship because a lot of firms mm-hmm. don't want them. I see. I could just based on what you
0: said, I was actually about to ask you, like, uh, doesn't that slow down? The adjuster and then also like does the apprentice pay for the you know being able to do the apprenticeship since they're kind of slowing them down? No, no,
1: no they actually okay. they actually get a percentage a small oh. one. Oh okay but okay we usually pay them a percentage because I mean they're working they're working but yeah I think it's stupid. I think I think they should be allowed to sign their own claims. Gotcha. And you can only
0: be a apprentice like the adjuster can only have one apprentice
1: per adjuster, one apprentice up to four, I think uh, within a firm, but that would have to be four licensed adjusters with four apprentices.
0: I see. I see. And it's a six month requirement. That is, that is a little, a big ax for the public adjuster uh, to be able to train them because of the, the time commitment, which is the only thing that we really can't duplicate. I mean, we can, but you know, you yourself, you can only be in one place at one time. So do you, do you work with apprentices or
1: do you know? We've got, yeah, we've got one now uh, who's under me and we've got another one who's coming on that I actually just interviewed today. Uh, who's going to be going on under somebody else. Okay. If I, if I see the talent, if the talent is there, if the talent is there, I mean, you and I know, I think I'm sure we could agree that it takes a special someone to be, to do what we do, you know, right. right. We're special. I don't know if I mean that in a good way or in a bad way, but (laughs) you know, you have to have, I mean, you've got to have a personality, you've got to have the drive, you've got to have, you've got to have the personality, the drive. It's a, it's a lot of sales. Um, maybe a little bit of construction background would be beneficial too. Like it's, it's hard to find a good person. And you know, what ends up happening a lot of the times is they, they just either, they just can't hack it or, yeah, or they just go on to something else. Gotcha. Gotcha. You know? Yeah.
0: And that's, and and that's, it's a bit of a numbers game. Cause we also try to train uh, public adjusters. We help them with uh, financing the, the whole process. Cause in Georgia, you do have to take a 40 hour course. I don't think any other state really requires a pre-licensing course, but that's money out the person's pocket and while we are probably one of the uh, easiest of entry positions versus like real estate where you need the six week class and a bunch of tests and law degrees and, um, and medical licenses, I think it's a small investment for somebody to be able to say okay here's a couple of hundred bucks uh here you know let me start this process of of becoming a adjuster Um, and i think the the tough part is that the money takes time to come in and i'm hoping that people will be able to really equate us in the same conversation when they speak about a general practitioner or when they speak about maybe a, a, a non-personal injury lawyer, because they those guys make the millions, the personal injury, but just like a lawyer that you need for your business or a lawyer that I need for my own business, the salary rates are almost the same. Um, and, and, but it's just no college needed for our position. And one of the passions that I have is to be able to have this industry introduced as, as a trade, like plumbing or electricians, or, um, what was the other real estate agents and helping people understand if you go out and do either of those, the process is the same you have to make yourself known, marketing networking and then you plant those seeds and then the 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 crop will start to grow and you harvest that crop and so the 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 planting the parable of the the sower of the seeds makes me you know just is always what I think
1: about like it does take a little time but for those who wait on it it's really good I always talk about planting seeds. That's what's so important, especially at <laughs> the beginning of the career. I'm always saying you just got to plant the seeds, plant the seeds, plant the seeds, meet as many. I compare networking almost to like door knocking, where people who go door knocking, the more doors that they hit, the better sure. chance. It's networking is the same way. You don't know who you're going to connect with. You don't know how that conversation is going to go. But the more people that you meet, you may not get that direct referral, but you may get it a month from now or three months or years from now. You never know sure. who that person is going to introduce you to. I think it's uh, networking to me is the number one way. Way to really establish yourself and plant those seeds and grow your business, you know?
0: Absolutely. So seeing that you're seven months in to your own firm, mm-hmm. um, have you found any networks to uh, adjust large
1: commercial claims, 5 million, 10 million? No, no. I mean, it's tough here in Florida because in Georgia, you guys have a lot of hailstorms. Uh-huh. And in New York, you've got a lot of hailstorms. Okay. Here, hail is kind of few and far between. It's really uh-huh. just windstorms. So okay. it's not so often that you get a really heavy windstorm. I'd say you probably get probably less than three or four a year, you get okay. just like a nasty windstorm. And I'm talking anything from, you know, 40 to 50 mile per hour gusts to 60 to 70 or 80 mile per hour gusts. Uh, but again, it's it's kind of few and far between. It doesn't happen much. Uh, the idea here is you just want to network with the associations. You want to network with the property managers. You want to network with those commercial uh, building constructor, uh, construction people and just see if you could just, again, plant seeds, build relationships with them. Just in case that big one does hit, whether it be a tropical storm, a hurricane, or just a really tough or nasty storm, that's really the only time that's going to really, you know, pay dividends. But I mean, as you know, you know, on social media, there's a lot of adjusters out there with just some large losses, man, big time losses. But you know, it's tough. It's like anything else. You gotta, you gotta just, you gotta network and meet the right people. Yeah, what, what there are some going? claim
0: consultants out there, too, who uh, seem to gather some large losses, and uh, they seem to be operating on the very, in the very, maybe gray-ish area, because some of them aren't licensed for anything, uh, and so, but they've made a great headway to be able to uh, network with uh, the right people to put them in those places. So I'm, I'm looking for those good opportunities, which makes this career not boring and not have a dead end, because you can always have Uh, a new let's see industry to attack for example like one of the one of the first ones I went after is roofers I think when we first talked you also said networking with roofers but now you're talking too about the HOAs the property managers the electricians so each month you have a new target to actually go after and you can actually just probably pick 12 a year because you'll never loop through every electrician you know, and you don't have to just do Florida, since we're also licensed in several other states. And Florida's a long
1: state, you know. It's so long. It's long very and technically long. wide too.
0: Yeah, so I mean, it's like four or five hours to get from one one coast to the other. I think.
1: Oh, it's way more than that. Oh, really? Oh, okay. Yeah. Gotcha. Yeah. So it's a good nine hours at least.
0: Well, from east to west.
1: If you go well, yeah, east to oh yeah, coast to coast. So east to west, it'll take you. I mean, from here to Orlando, it's about an hour and a half. So it's not that bad. Figure two hours to get coast to coast. But from Miami, say, to Jacksonville so jacksonville is probably going to be about six and a half seven hours okay but if you okay. go up that if you turn that left and you go down the panhandle it's gonna yeah. probably take you about 10 hours to get to pensacola from Miami. i gotcha
0: i gotcha it's yeah that i've state. i've
1: driven down the pensacola from georgia it's nothing but
0: back roads and yeah. uh a lot of that is in alabama so uh driving through you're just like zing, like just trying to get through (laughs) as fast as possible because you really don't want to get stuck you know your uh your uh, uh gps is off you know, malfunctioning. Right. So it's just uh, it's, but it's a uh, it's a very country drive getting to Pensacola and Destin, Florida. So, uh, but no, I but I'm I'm very excited for the career because you can continue to learn, as you mentioned. Some construction background is good. I started with none. Now I know about mega tests. Now I know about insulation and just a wax ring. What the heck is a wax ring? How is that the plumbing? <laughs>
1: They hit you with stuff. I joke with people that when I first started, I I didn't know the difference between a tile baseboard and a wood baseboard. (laughs) (laughs) It's a joke, but yeah, I didn't know much about construction either. Um, Abahi, tell me another interesting, really interesting thing I find about you and about just the state of Georgia. You started off as an independent adjuster, right?
0: That's correct. I, I saw my friend. So my story is that I was working with Google Maps. I was not driving the little car, but I was driving cars around to get from location to location to test out the uh, GPS. At a time before we started this project, when you would pull up McDonald's, you might be a hundred yards off. You may be, maybe even half a mile down the road. Like, where is this thing? It says I'm here. So we went around making those corrections. And uh, my friend, when that project was ending, cause you get two years at Google, like unless you're a white badge and then you're permanent. But when you're red badge, you get t- up to a two year project, which they uh, put that in there because Microsoft was using 99 contractors for like decades and not ever making them employees so they didn't have the benefits well at the end of our project uh, I think one of the a big hurricane maybe Harvey or such may have hit and a colleague of mine knew someone who was working at State Farm so she went over there she took along like three or four of our employees not me though And I was like, just wondering what they were doing. So she told me I had no idea what it was. But then uh, about two months later, she shows me a check. I was out of work because the project had ended. So I'm like, all right, let me see what this is about. I mean, I hate insurance. I hate insurance. Gotta pay for it. There's this deductible you have to pay, copay you have to pay. What am I paying insurance for? Didn't understand. But it's it.
1: necessary. It's always there. Insurance is always there. That's why it's best to work in insurance because it's 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 it has it's never gonna go away. I know, I know. I was
0: just thinking about that, I think yesterday or the day before, because even if like all jobs stopped you still have to pay your mortgage and your mortgage company wants you to have in short. Sure. so it's it's one of those bills that's just not going to go away for people and so when she was working I, that's when I started studying and I went down the IA path but the one the first thing that was a blockade for me was when I went to go apply for p- certain positions was you needed to have experience and I didn't have experience so I started searching how to get that that's how I ended up with the roofing company because they but it was door-to-door sales okay so I kind of was getting my toes wet from that. And um, I was just still trying to pursue the IA. So I went through the pilots, the Renfros, all of the, the big major firms, tried to attend all the trainings that I could. Uh, and when I would go, one thing or another would happen. Maybe they would release you early. Uh, maybe there wasn't really a deployment really available. They were just having you know a set of extra 30 people just in case they need to send people out. Uh, there were um, uh, other certifications that you need. So they And you had to go take the test for those and pass those. But I didn't pass. And then I had to wait on the next one. Uh, So all of those things kept happening. And I'm investing a lot of money. I'm investing in getting the other North Carolina license, which then I bought the wrong licenses because PNC is different from the adjuster license. So, I mean, I was very dedicated to moving. And I'm living at home at the time. My mom is like, I mean, all this money, like, go get a real job. You know, She's. I'm like, no, this is going to work. It's insurance. It's guaranteed. Guaranteed. But then eventually, I did get a good opportunity to work a deployment out in New York. And it was nice um, just being able to do the job and seeing what it was about. Uh, However, when you look at the time that you were working, the seven to seven, uh, yeah, seven to seven, so 12 hour days, seven days a week, um, little demanding, I'm living in New York, if I hadn't been staying with my sister, it wouldn't have been very profitable. Um, but she wasn't charging me rent, so I was able to pay, stay out there. Um, and then after six weeks, it's like, okay, well, we're done. That's it. You can go home. Um, and I just recall learning about public adjusters along my IA track and while I was working the IA side I was like man I can't wait to get back to maybe try this PA thing I wanted to get back to try the PA thing and one of the reasons why um, I started with Metro at the time was because they were the only ones that said we'll train you so I was like oh yeah you know maybe you know I'll train hell they'll train yep I'll join tell me what you need me to do oh you want me to bring people so we can review their policies no problems no other costs involved I'm really with that so I that's when I just wanted to get back to the PA side I just felt like I'll be able to work from home I'll be able to help more people because I saw how people were getting underpaid when I was a state farm adjuster I'm like but the baseboards have to come out in order to get the quarter like to get the to make sure everything gets dry, you know, like, it, or the, uh, the quarter round has to come out because the baseboard is damaged. And they're like, no, you know, just pay for the baseboard. Don't pay for the r and things you put in there, you get in trouble for. They smack your hand. And you're like, geez, that's a lot of boss. And I've never been really a good, like, employee. I don't think I've ever been good a good employee. So that's what making, uh, becoming a PA was really great because I'm my own boss. Um, but I have a back office that supports me and uh, I was never really business savvy. So it's great to be able to have their support.
1: What would you say you learned uh, your time? I know you're I believe in Georgia, you could have both, right? You could have the IA. Correct. And the, and the Correct. But when you were being when you were an IA full time working on the insurance side, what would you say? What was the one thing that stands out that you really learned uh, from your experience there?
0: Mm, I think the sense of urgency was uh, one of the biggest uh, uh, learning um, adaptations that I had to make. I'm a, As I mentioned, I'm not the best employee. So I think being honest, I was kind of lazy at times. And I think there's also certain people who come into positions and you find ways to get other people to do the work. Um, and with the sense of urgency, if I had files or pictures, I'll just, you know, not upload them right away to the file. I would say, okay, I'll wait till I get home. But then, by time you get home, by time you eat, you're sleepy. Oh, I'll do it tomorrow. I'll do it on my office day. And so that—that's just the no-no. You gotta have you have certain time commitments that you have to be able to, to fulfill, so that they don't look at you in the negative light. Um, but yeah, I would say that uh, would be the biggest would be the biggest area where I say, listen, you gotta get moving and grooving so if I was to go back and change anything it would be to just be on point with okay I know this is here and and have a process which someone tried to show me but with so many things that you have to do write your notes you got to click here click that add this extra little update and it's like 10 steps just you know for extra just before you can close the file um, and make seeing how efficiently you can work those steps and that can help you be a faster adjuster and then that 12 hours doesn't feel like 12 hours anymore because you're getting everything done
1: at a quicker pace. Do you feel like uh, from your years or from your time as an IA, do you feel like uh, you have any kind of advantage or an edge? (laughs) Only in talking
0: to my customers, I'll tell them, hey, I used to work for State Farm. I know they're not going to pay for these things. And also working as a roofer is a big help, too, because when I was a roofer, you see seven to 15 line items and 15 on if there's interior added. But you see the amounts, you're good. Ten thousand, seven thousand, six. You think calculate your commute, your commission, and you take the check from the homeowner and you give it to your boss. They do the work. You're good to go. When I became a PA and I saw that, oh, they also forgot these other twenty three items. I'm like, Oh, my goodness, I was getting ripped off as a roofer. Um, and so, uh, so being a roofer really helped me be able to care more about uh, the homeowner. I have a love hate relationship and more love with contractors than I do hate. The only part of the contractors that I I wish they would uh, improve on is providing um, not just estimates to their customer, but uh, a lot of contractors say that we don't provide estimates because we don't want the insured to make money off the claim. And, and it's kind of a misconception because the law actually states that they're not allowed to have betterments or improvements and all roofers always provide them the three architectural shingle, you know, even if they had the three tab, they'd say, oh, we can get you the nice 3D shingles. That's the betterment. That's the illegal part. But, okay, fine. You're going to take a discount or such like that. That's fine. But it doesn't say that a homeowner can't be left have something left over after the contractor is done with their work. The law doesn't, and the policy doesn't state that. So if they can just clarify that for homeowners, I I love them 100%, but it's just that little uh, thorn in my side with contractors. But, uh, you know, I work with contractors all the time. I refer them, you know, business, of course, and um, they refer me business. So, of course, I love them, but there is a little bit of a misconception when it does come to what the homeowners receive.
1: Right, right. Um, You train a lot of public adjusters. And you train a lot of independent adjusters on your YouTube channel and with your course and all that stuff, which by the way, Abahi has an amazing course that she provides. <laughs> what would you say would be good for a pub- somebody who wants to get into public adjusting to have some kind of experience before actually going in and before obviously taking one of our courses? Yeah. But would it be like a construction experience? Would, would uh, be working on the other side as an IA or a company adjuster? Would it be sales background? What do you think would be best for somebody to have already some experience uh, before? before actually diving into being a public adjuster?
0: Mm, that's a, that's, boy, it's one of those, it's almost like, uh, you know, when people are kids and you go out to the lake and the the uncle or the granddad, throws like the two-year-old into the water and, and hope they learn how to swim. <laughs> it's sometimes, it's kind of like that. You kind of got to, I, 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 hesit- I like for people not to narrow their focus when they're becoming, an adjuster. So some people will say, oh, I want to do auto, or I want to just do catastrophes, or I want to do staff. Don't limit yourself. Keep a very wide uh, um, open door. Keep a very a door very wide open for yourself. Um, and then in the meantime, while you're working on that, what I'm looking for is somebody with good customer service skills because of the relations that they have to build up. I've helped a lady who worked at Waffle House her entire career get a position on a deployment with EA Renfro and she, and because it's because she dealt with customers in my opinion, when I was talking to her and I was vamping her resume, I'm like, listen, uh, you have enough experience where it's needed. They'll teach you everything else. There's certain things that you can't teach. And one of them would be the, the attitude, the customer service, leadership, Uh, 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 problem resolution, how you handle those, um, I guess, soft skills that uh, most people put on as skills in their resume. Most people don't have that. And I will come with someone who is friendly and has a customer service. I can teach them everything else, but that
1: part is hard funny you say that because <clears throat> i has been lucky that's been always been one of my strengths my always okay. one of my strengths is relationship building building relationships strong positive relationships with people I, I i i truly value a lot of the relationships that i have and i treat my claims the same way and you know I don't know about you, but I get questions sometimes. I get a lot of questions I don't know the answer to. It could be a construction question. It could be a policy question. It could be something that you would think that somebody that has 14 years of experience would know the answer to, but I may not know the answer to it. And people ask me, well, like, you know, how is, how is it that you've been successful? And honestly, a big part of my success is those soft skills that I think are very important in this industry. And it's, it's being able to get along with the other side. Yeah. Um, always having a happy client even when maybe you didn't get what you wanted, still having a happy and satisfied client, being able to communicate with that client all the time, being able to do all that stuff. Because again, we've got people in the courses that man, they could write an exactimate estimate like you wouldn't believe, but they've got angry clients. They can't figure out the insurance adjusters. They can't get what they want on claims. And it's just funny how you mentioned those soft skills. It just made me think about that, how important that is. Right, so fans, let me ask you this: When something doesn't go, right, I love it. This is like this is like the first uh, podcast I've done where I'm getting more questions than I'm giving away. You can tell by the way, people. For those of you who are listening, Abahi is a pro. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Yeah, I love to listen, but also uh, for those listening, I'm trying to find out his secrets too. So, Listen, this is as valuable for me as those who are listening. So you've been in it for a while. I'm curious how you handle those claims that don't go right. Somebody calls you and you're like, okay, this this deserves the attention of the, uh, of your insurance company. Uh, I'm confident. I'm not sure if you say that, but you know, do you load, do you preload your customer with the event that things may not go right? And then after the adjuster appointment, when it doesn't go right, what, what are your, uh, what's your feedback to your client?
1: Yeah. So I start always, I definitely try to under promise and over deliver. Okay. That's, that's for sure. I give no guarantees. Nothing is guaranteed. Everybody wants to know, well, will I be able to pay your fee and my contractor? Right. And I tell them technically that's not allowed because it's a fee and it, they're paying based on what it's supposed to cost. But sure. That's the goal. The goal is, and I always say it's the goal. It, the goal is for you to be able to pay your contractor and our fee so that you don't have to come out of pocket. Correct. When it doesn't go right. I mean, it depends on the situation. But I'm a firm, I'm a firm, firm believer in in what's the word I'm looking for is um, not holding yourself accountable, but like like blaming yourself. I, I'm I'm a firm believer where if it, if if it's something that you could have done better, if it's your fault, um, yeah, hold yourself accountable for wh- whatever it is. Like I'll give you a perfect example. I had a had a client that just didn't understand, I guess, what I was trying to tell him in mediation. Okay. They were offering new money. It was a good offer. Mm-hmm. And I told him, This is new money on top of what you've been paid. Mm-hmm. For some reason he understood it on top of what I've been paid plus the depreciation that they withheld. Mm-hmm. And I I specifically told him, I said, No, we're taking this dollar amount, we're adding basically the deductible, we're adding the payment, and this is what's coming out. Everything mm-hmm. is included in here. So when he came back and the checks in and he's like, Well, what happened to the three thousand dollars in depreciation? Mm-hmm. And what I did, instead of blaming it on him, because he, he totally misunderstood what I was trying to say I would say hey look you know I, I, I'll put the blame on myself I should have I should have I should have um, I should have explained it more clear to you I said you did misunderstand what I was trying to tell you it's exactly what I told you depreciation is included in this in this new money check I said but you know maybe I can get better and I could actually just uh, make myself a little bit more clear the next time I do it and I don't know I find most people not all people mm-hmm. but most people they will they they understand they they like the fact when somebody's sort of I guess willing to what's the word i'm looking for hold take accountability and hold there's a, one other word i'm looking for but basically let's just like you know hold yourself accountable for any mistakes that are made because you're not going to win them all sure know? sure open communication too i'm constantly communicating with my client i never settle a claim without bringing it by my client first okay. i'll give them my opinion on how we should go and how we should take this further but uh. open communication with my clients uh from the beginning from beginning to end is very important too But another thing I have found that the longer that I'm doing this, the less patience I have with clients that I have to watch myself for. Sure. sure. You know?
0: Yeah. Yeah. Cause you're, you're, you, we repeat ourselves a lot. Unfortunately, That's because the thing. <laughs> they don't know that though. Right. So we can't, it's, it's a little tough. I'm like, Oh my gosh, this question again,
1: like for I've explained them, it yeah. Or when they explain the whole thing. Well, what happened was I had this leak here and I called my insurance and this, that, and in my head, I'm just like on the phone, like, you know, I've heard this story a million times already, but you can't do that cause it's the first yeah. time for them. Exactly. You know? Yo, so you definitely have, have to have some sympathy for your clients, but you know, I mean that's 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 how I do it. Do you have another way of doing it? Like, well, what do you do when you no, I just took
0: I just took tips from you for sure. Uh, making sure that you call the client before you settle. Oh, we yeah. we carry we carry a a, a high number of claims uh, just because our team is um, two hundred deep, and so after especially during COVID. Uh, a lot of our teammates started writing claims in Georgia, which I then would go out and adjust. Um, So it's like for me, uh, trying to be in the newer adjuster, I was trying to juggle everything at the same time and really didn't understand how much time a claim would take. I really didn't understand what to be saying at the adjuster appointments what to be showing them so then I'm spending a lot of time writing concern letter making unnecessary phone calls that I didn't need to make And then our claims get longer and longer and I remember last time you talked you said you try to get people uh, paid in 30 days or at least something that go going in 30 days um, and and for us it's like an average of two to four months to be able to settle the average claim um, but for for me uh like I, when you called me earlier today I was on the client telling him to same about it's almost like the same exact conversation his scenario was that the insurer his adjuster from a hippo initially quit and so the person taken up for that kind of just got watered down you know just I mean just underwater he's trying to keep his head above it but just too much going on Um, so uh, Paul Davis which is a restoration company initially wrote an estimate that he sent to Uh, his insurer. However, they didn't pay for it. So then here we come because he's not here and he doesn't know what to do. The contractor refers us in. So um, I put an estimate together, which was more than the Paul Davis, but he felt like, well, Paul Davis would have gotten this. I said, you're right. That's very much true. However, they didn't pay Paul Davis's estimate. They paid our estimate. And even if they did pay Paul Davis, you're actually in the better position having Paul Davis drop out because they had other projects and they were waiting, you know, on the money to come in. I said, you're in the better position because now not only do you have the 40,000 that all would have went 100% to Paul Davis, you would have saw absolutely nothing. You can actually now go talk to different contractors and see what estimates they provide for you. Now, not only do you have what Paul Davis would have got, but you have a lot more so but he was just stuck on like well I already sent it over they they would have paid it I agree
1: with you but they didn't and that's when we needed to be brought in people underestimate the value of a public adjuster all the time yeah I get a question all the time where what's the benefit of hiring a public adjuster from the beginning people don't understand duties after a loss people don't understand Mm -hmm. as soon as you got involved Once an insurance adjuster on the other side sees that a public adjuster is involved, they have to now openly discuss this claim, openly discuss coverages, openly discuss line items. When a Paul Davis or any, any contractor submits an estimate, they're pretty, obviously, we all know they're stuck on what they could actually do. All they can do is really present a supplement and see what happens in return. And then there's follow up, you know, we could file complaints. We could talk about statutes that are not being abided by. We could, we could, we could obviously file a lawsuit if we need to file a lawsuit and they know that we know that. So I try to tell people it's much different when I got, I, I, I had a client that, uh, Roofer tried to get them their supplement, unable to do it. She tried in the beginning, hired the Roofer. Roofer failed as well. I got involved. I got to pay it paid in two weeks. Mm. She calls me. Vince, I don't understand. I'm confused. What is it that you did that I tried got nowhere? Roofer tried, got nowhere, and then you tried. And I tried to tell her, I said, look, it's 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 our license. It is. It's a, yeah. it's a very important license. I like how you mentioned earlier how, you know, you feel that it should get to that status of, like, you know, uh, um, a lawyer or a doctor. Yeah, you know, I mean, it, first of all, it's not an easy uh, license to obtain. It's a difficult test to take. Mm-hmm. Um, decent amount of continuing education that must be done in order to do it. Yep. And if you really want to get, you know, uh, on, a, on a, na- a national level, a lot of times you have to take more than one exam and you have to you have to take all that continuing education and yeah there's a lot writing on what we do and when it when when we when we submit a claim and we submit our information our documentation and by the way our letter writing mm-hmm. the insurance company has to respond they have to respect the fact that we've got that license and they have to negotiate what with us to get it because you know what uh all respect to paul davis but he wouldn't have been able to do what you did right Right, right. Yeah. And we, I think we also keep much better
0: files, uh, than the, than the construction company would because they're great at what they do. Um, when, so when you're a marketer and they say, pick a product or pick a service, they tell you to choose from three categories, health, wealth, or relationships. And under those, you can look at it like, um, you know, health being a doctor, uh, maybe relationships being the lawyer because they usually only come in when relationships fall apart, and, and then so you have health, wealth, and then you're uh, you're looking at um, you're looking at yeah you're looking at um, your relationships. I'm feeling like we fit fit in that that third capacity of that triangle because it's your home that is the biggest financial asset that you have, and you trying to work your own claim might as well be like your your Tom Hanks and Castaway trying to knock out your own tooth you could do it oh you could be in your house yes you can extract your own tooth but only somebody stupid would do that and so you would you have professionals who go out and you hire them to do that and so if you try to do it then you go in and you make a mess and then you want the PA to come in and then you want them to be fast when we've got a, a, a lap behind the um, Kentucky Kentucky Derby And so while I'm trying to catch up and then new people and they're rushing and the contractor wants their money, like everybody, give me a second. This claim has been going for two months. Let me see all the moving pieces. And when I get rushed, things don't go well. And then it's like a longer delay. So that is a. you know, that is the real tough, tough part when homeowners do start. My boss always says this, when you let a fox into the hen house, they make a mess. Yep. So we are we you know, it is important to have a PA come in first so we can set the scene. We can tell the story and we can make sure that you like if you have some water come in into the uh, to the wood floor. But you also had a potted plant near there. If you don't move that plant, they're going to attribute that water damage to you <laughs> over that plant. Right. you got to move that thing. Suck. Get that in the kitchen. Get the, you know, I have I to you. move it, you know, but it, right. and it's just because I've learned now, because in the past as a roofer, I'd be, oh, come on in, adjuster. Here we go. You know, and they'll see. No, nah, deny. Oh, dang. Why? That tree. I mean, she ain't watered it. It's a dead tree. But, you know, <laughs> but but once they see it, it's very, very hard to get people to change their mind.
1: Contractors, if you're listening, I want to start an initiative where contractors are phenomenal and roofers at going out there and getting these jobs signed up and getting these. But I would like for you guys to partner up with your local public adjuster. And I know it's tough because not all public adjusters are, are worth anything either. Right. You you got your bad apples too. Right. Right. But spend the time in partnering up or finding a, a, getting a good relationship with a good public adjuster in your local area and commit for at least at least two months to, mm-hmm. are you ready for this? Mm-hmm. Give them your entire book of business. <laughs> and I'm going to tell you why. Because a lot of times what happens is the contractors go in and they try to settle it themselves. And they submit their supplement and they just try to settle it themselves. And then what happens is when they can't get anywhere, now, were the duties of the loss abided by? Did you respond to any requests? Did you provide the proof of loss? Did you do what you're supposed to do as what we would be doing throughout the life of that claim? And then what happens? You know, Abahi, we get garbage. Yep. Now they give us a claim that's been denied. P.O.L. wasn't provided. You didn't respond to the request for information. And now what do we do? We got to basically start behind the eight ball, behind the Kentucky Derby to try to get this thing settled. And then they're like, oh, well, you're a PA. You're not worth the shit. You didn't get us any money. (sighs) It's like, well, if you would have given me this thing from the beginning, I could have created this incredible uh, claim. Yep. This incredible story, too, because I call it a story sometimes where yep. you've got you got little Miss Johnson, old lady, 80 years old. And I put all this in my letter. She can't walk in the house. She can't do this. She's suffering from this damage up here. There's probably mold growing. And what are you going to do? And she needs to get paid. And then, boom, you get paid yeah. as opposed to, you know, being all lackadaisical, just providing a supplement. And I don't mean just contractors. I mean, clients too, policyholders like right. just trust me, the 10, 15, 20 percent. It's worth every penny. I mean, you can Google search. What can a public adjuster get for you? And there's that that Google image that's always there that ate like 750% more uh-huh. by hiring a public adjuster. Right. And not only that, not only are we going to get you more money, but we have a better chance of you actually getting coverage Yeah. because we're going to yeah. abide by those duties after the loss. We're going to provide the documentation. We're going to take those photos. We're going to give them all the evidence that they need, right. which is like I, I like to work with the other side. Let's, let's right. work together. Like when I meet an IA, I, when I meet an IA, they're like, all right, show me the damage, Vince. Show me the damage. Like, I want to pay this claim. I'm like, here you go. Let's yep. do this. Let's figure it out. Yep. But I went on a little bit of a tangent there, but the point is, is that contractors or even policyholders, I cannot begin to stress the importance of just hire a public adjuster from the beginning. And I know there's some bad apples out there, but most are pretty good.
0: Yeah, test the water. Absolutely, test the water. Give a give a give a hand five to one. Give five to another and see which one, you know, comes back uh, better on average. Plus, yeah, go ahead.
1: And what do you think? And give us your entire book of business.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. See who wins. See who wins because we month, can go back. Two Give it yeah, a Yeah, we can go back. We can go back. We can reopen uh, the claims. I've often op- reopened a claim that the roof is already done. If they feel like they still haven't been paid out for, I make sure I just go out and even squeeze those drops out just to show them that hey, if we could have got in there before, we may have had an even better track. Than, than, what, than what you started with.
1: But I want the new sales pitch when a contractor, a roofer, goes in there and gets them to sign their uh, their their work authorization and they're going to contact the insurance company to get the supplement. I'd rather the sales pitch be, here, we're going to be your roofer, we're going to be your contractor, we're going to replace your roof, but he, we also work with this public adjuster who's going to handle the entire claims and, and once that claim gets paid, yes, you're going to have to pay him a percentage, but by hiring this adjuster who's going to put together a brand new estimate on the roof, on the interior, or whatever else. Trust me, it's going to pay for his fee and you'll have enough money to pay me to do your roof.
0: Right. So the first roofing company I worked with did not have a PA on site and it got very frustrating for me because when I would see a very dirt bag roof and it gets the denial, there was nowhere to turn other than the reinspection, and, you know, I don't have the, I didn't have the Hague certification. I didn't know how to, the policy was supposed to not pay for repairs if repairs weren't there. You got to get the whole slope looking right how it did before. So, you know, I felt one thing that somebody in our company always says is that, we truly protect the homeowner. I had a, conch, a house that the water hit the electrical breaker panel. The contractor's office manager, I meant like, hey, can I see your, your uh, mega test? Oh, well, we didn't feel like one was needed, but the water hit like by code, you actually by law you have to be able to at least test that out and so and if not if something sparks 3 4 years down the line it's going to look like it was that machine but it was from that that loss that nobody thought to just go ahead and test so we make sure our contractors have the right licenses if we're referring them we make sure they're putting out the right permits and for contractors it's so many less things that you have to do you can focus on the business not focus on these individual claims if you do have um, a public adjuster there there's a lot of uh what we call chucking the trucks the smaller firms that just have maybe uh Five or ten on the team who salespeople could earn more, you know, because now you're getting a bigger claim settlement amount, Um, and then they'll also have more approvals than they do denials um, with that too as well. So you, I think they'll have more longevity out of a sales staff that already has a high turnover rate, Um, and plus you do have the financial benefit of wow, I didn't know I could get paid to clean my walls before I painted. What? What's that? <laughs> exactly. The little line items,
1: right? <laughs> yeah.
0: So people ask, so even kind where what are you going to add? Just, I mean, is that enough? But you know, the, the few cents for uh, hundreds of line items starts to add up. Um, and, and because we're out to protect the homeowner, we're looking out for their best interest where contractors, they want to be able to make sure you're back to square one but they're looking for their profit first um, and that's why they're they're you know and some of them work with the insurance company so they don't even want to bite the hand uh that feeds them but we just go out educate the insured. i don't know if you also you know tell insu- uh homeowners it's not just fires that you use your policy for. It's not just tree falls, small losses, str- scratches on the floor, furniture gouges, um, uh, even you know spilled bleach on the carpet, melted siding. Things that are even your fault can be paid for. And the other the other crutch that all of us PAs have to overcome is that the insurance companies are loved by consumers. And we forget that they're just a financial entity. But when you have the fine guy that they
1: got Jake from State Farm, super they have, cute. They have these great commercials. They're so lovable. How can you
0: not love them? I mean, I have to have insurance. I'm all, my um, auto insurance is with all state. And, uh, you know, I know I'm paying for the market. I got to have insurance. So trust me, they've helped. They've come to my rescue once or twice. But we can't, um, you know, we can't also see them as friendly as our neighbor because they're really not your neighbor. They're a financial institution that is happy to collect the money from you each and every week and they never educate you on a commercial about what to do if your claim gets denied. So my mission in life is to try to get some of that mindset changed for what people have and by speaking to renters even who will one day own a home you know trying to get them to understand like yes we love the commercials too but they are a wolf in sheep's clothing okay they're Mm -hmm. going to be treat you nice until you need them so be careful i'm surprised you don't have state farm with the cute guy from state farm (laughs) Yeah, he's too cute. He cost me a lot, I bet. But no, i uh, all stay. how did I end up? It was a friend of a friend, of course, because you know, that business is also referral based. And uh-huh. um, at the time, I think there was a movement to do um, uh, buy Black, like Black Lives Matter and things like that. So the agent, it's a Black-owned agency. So I just wanted to try to make sure I did that. So that was the only one. I didn't even research. I said, oh, okay, whatever. I'll just pay it. So I even as a PA, have I read that policy for auto? No, I really have not. Um, but uh, and have I done my due diligence and seeing if I can find a better rate? No, I have not. Like we all fall, we all fall, we also come to the giant industry of the insurance uh, companies. But, uh, you know, so bad on me, I know. But uh, I do have all states. So that's how I ended up there.
1: Yeah, that's another thing that drives me crazy is I get a lot of clients say, hey, which insurance should I get? And they send me whatever it is that their agent sends them. Yeah. The agents now, they don't even send, sometimes they don't even send a deck page. Oh, wow. They'll send you like four options that all it says is the insurance company name, uh-huh. the policy limit, the deductible, and yep. how much the premium is. Yep. No exclusions, no endorsements, yep. no nothing. It's the only product that you can you have to pay for before you see it. It's a one way one way contract. It's a one way contract. You You don't even get to see the contract now.
0: You can't even see it before. You can see just what you talked about, the little, you know, how much you're going to be paying, how much you're getting. But what's covered, what's not covered, they will not let you see it until you pay. It's the only thing out there that is pay first, see later. (laughs) And they're good.
1: I don't understand that. Yeah, they've, they've made to... their
0: way. Um, some of the things that always is nice. So, I've, so our headquarters is in Ben Salem, Pennsylvania, which is outside of Philly. What's and, the name of the company? Uh, Metro Public Adjustment. And they. I've gone up there and it's nice to see Ben Franklin's um, first Uh, first uh, insurance company and there's a lot of other like uh, old insurance buildings because you know the Philadelphia I guess was one of the starting hubs um, here in the U.S. so the initial fire policy and Ben Franklin's company I just happened to be walking past that and it's like we're, you know, me and this industry, we're connected, we're never going to be apart. And it's just, we're, it's like a magnet, like, oh, insurance. And it's been around since the 1700s. And it'll continue to go long after we're
1: gone. So that, that is, uh, I'm dedicated 100% to this industry, so to speak. Good, good. Um, Abai, tell me about the YouTube channel. How's that going with the YouTube channel and education and your courses and stuff like that? Yeah, so it's
0: it's interesting because watching you, I'm like, listen, this guy, he's only one really coming up for public adjusters, although there's like a few lawyers who come up too. So, um, and because I'm like, I took a while, Vince, to to really commit to the PA side because I was like, well, you know, in the IA, it's you can get a whole bunch of money at a little in the, uh, in a short amount of time, but the consistency on the IA side just is not there. Um, and so I waited to test out this PA thing before I announced it to my audience, which they aren't aware of. So just this month, I really started to target talking about public adjusting and how to become one and why I like it better, because I wanted to make sure that it was going to be as beneficial to pursue as the IA side was to pursue. And when I found like I hit my stride in it, then I started to talk about it. So my audience is getting a a bit of a different flavor from me recently.
1: What are some of the, I have a a video called IA, like an independent adjuster versus public adjuster. What are some of the differences that you found so far? Um well besides the I, obvious
0: yeah the the main my biggest thing is that when i was working as an ia you're doing 7 12 hour days was the inability to maintain a routine because if you went to the gym every morning now you're going to be impacted because of um, maybe where your gym is now located, like I have an LA Fitness membership. There's no LA Fitness in New York City. You got to go to Long Island and things of that nature. So now I got to really? reroute that. What? If you wanted to, if you were involved, um, at the time I was trying to go to city council meetings, I couldn't do that anymore. So my biggest my biggest uh, beef on the IA side is the, con- the lack of life that you have once you go to the site and they purposely will send somebody from Georgia to go work a storm in Texas and send somebody who is a resident of Texas to go work a storm in Georgia at the same time because they don't want you being able to have a life they want you to be working they need you to be working the claims and when I was starting to see that I was like ah this is um this is too I don't have as much control over my life as I would like to and I'm a big component of like my time so I just see that as the the control of your time is better on the PA side consistency and flow of work is better on the PA side. So those two for me is is why I think anybody who is struggling to become an independent adjuster should consider public adjusting. There are conversations. And there's certain dads who don't want to leave the wife with the young kids who can't go just drop in 72 hours to go work a storm. People quit their jobs to then go work a storm. And they're told in, uh, in 24 hours that there's no work. Um, so, you know, you, you, you make huge sacrifices and, and like in Florida, you can actually work as a P, work under a PA, before you actually invest into the exam. Whereas if you are on the IA side, they're gonna want you to have the exam and the license is done first before you can then work. So there's a lot of upfront commitment um, on the IA side over the, the PA side. And so send me this clip, cause that's like a video right. That here. was great.
1: I was gonna, I was looking at the time too. I'm like, where did this, we're gonna put this in the intro a little bit. That was great. <laughs>
0: that's like that's exactly it um so for for, for some the IA <laughs> side is a better fit but if you're struggling i definitely would say consider
1: looking into public adjusting two things i want to ask you about from everything you just said mm-hmm. the first thing was there's no LA fitness in New York city. No, not in the,
0: not in the boroughs. It's too, it's too big. LA fitness is too big to, they got, you got to put the gym courts in there. So you have to have a small boutique. I bet, I don't even know the size of your house, but the average Florida condo is probably just as big as New York city gyms, right? Like they just have multiple floors and they try to, you know, put everybody out there, but you do have to go out to like, uh, Long Island to actually find yourself a a, a LA fitness.
1: (laughs) The the second thing I picked up, which if you want to talk about it, you can. I'm always interested in off topic stuff. You said that you're involved. You said city council. What kind of stuff are you involved in?
0: Yeah, my goal is, well, my goal was to start um, one of the the city council meetings that I was going to was East Point, Georgia, and they are one of the few cities that require contractors to uh, do a permit for a roofing job, so I was kind of going to work with um, their home, the the city council members there to let them know about public adjusters and what they do. Vince, you won't even believe this statement that I'm about to make next, but when you talk to the people in the insurance industry. 90% don't even know what public adjusters are, and that includes agents, okay? That includes other adjusters, right? So, I feel that the lack of education is at disadvantage to um, communities, and the communities who we do mills wheel, on wheels here, I delivered for mills on wheels from time to time. It was much funner pre-COVID. Now, you can't even talk to the seniors. It's kind of not as fun, um, but when You have programs to help homeowners be able to live in their house, but they may not have the white, the roof may be leaking and there's small programs, but the city is also strapped for cash. So my goal is to try to meet with those who head up those types of programs, those who have a a political concern for seniors being able to stay at home and live while property values go up because they really can't afford to move anywhere. I want to be able to at least allow them to know that those damages that you've been living with, ma'am, because your, your resources and inflow of income is limited, if you know that you're paying insurance this is how you use it and these are the folks that grew up thinking you never call your insurance unless there's a fire they're going to raise your rates because you file a claim like all of these myths they grew up believing them so my goal is to work with city council members and um, government offices to have at least an education program for homeowners and then to also have a job program for those who are looking for work because you have a lot of uh, you have a lot of um i think of grown men mostly because they want to work hard and they want to be able to make a good living, but whatever circumstances that they're in puts them in um, jobs that, don't allow them to live beyond paycheck to paycheck and this can be a good way for them to start with very little money up front with the city could probably take care of the 200 bucks or so they're spending thousands on getting people on employment and things 200 bucks and um 200 investment into helping somebody into this career could go a very long way for uh, somebody be able to make a life-changing money because within zero to three years you go you can go from zero to 650 Whereas when I was working with Toys R Us, I went from forty five to fifty in three years. Yeah, right. You know, so you right. don't you don't get those high bumps, and, um, and and so that's what I would. That's what my two focuses are. And again, this is the industry that you don't have to get siloed in. It's really a upside down umbrella. You can catch all of it because everything has insurance. So as you were talking about the property managers and the HOAs, that's also an area next year where I want to get focused into. And because so little people know about this industry, it's almost like the Wild Wild West. It's almost like it's almost like real estate before people knew how much money you could make in real estate, and then people started buying it up. Well, there's across the country from here to was uh, Washington State it's people who need adjusters public adjusters and they just aren't aware so if you live in Washington state you might be one of 10 or even if you're one of 100 you could probably corner out a very large square mile section and be the only PA in that community for a very long time and that's another benefit from from doing ours versus doing the IA
1: that's awesome
0: (laughs) Woof. <laughs> We're on fire. Wow. I know right wow that was worked up boy I tell you what I did learn a lot because we don't get to we don't get to get together I know you actually came up here and I lost track of the dates and so then I had plans and I was like oh sure I, I missed that but that would have been such a great opportunity uh, for done. me to get together okay We're- good we're not done. Oh, okay, just, good. I feel like you're just getting rolling. No, I know, right? That's what I was thinking too. But I, I know in the beginning you're like, you know, ninety
1: or so. No, so I'm no, we keep time. going. Okay. Um, when you say uh, with everything that you want to do with the community and everything, you want uh, for people to become PAs or just get into the insurance industry in general.
0: Yeah, I would say I would say I'm not biased to just them going into the industry because again, it's a position that I didn't know about. I went to college nobody told me about claims adjusting and everybody always
1: falls into this industry right it's so funny oh
0: man it's like it's just if you didn't get introduced by a friend you are like one in a million yeah and so I would just love the education and I don't mind if people go to the IA side what I'm hoping is that the education gets out there that the position exists and then people learn how to act how insurance actually is used it's the last conversation that's going to come up at a pool party a dinner party people talk about starting mobile cigar bars and um, hookahs and hair care cbd all of these other things but nobody is ever going to talk about the one thing we all have in common other than standing
1: on this earth right like because it's boring you- <laughs> boring insurance which is another thing that i will say pa life and ia life is not boring conversation it is like a lot of interesting every single day of our lives is different right right have you seen my ig channel of course I have oh, okay 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 so I ha- so I do the little
0: videos and people are my friends and family are like what do you do like that looks so interesting I and know <laughs> let me tell you ladies there are some times I do go I mean I go on roofs a lot I have been in crawl spaces from time to time one time I was down in the crawl space that it was a crawl space and then the section the second part of the house had like a dip where you could almost stand up. I'm six feet tall. So but the but the dog, the dog had been in there. There was feces under there, rats under there. There's a pipe leaking. And I'm down there with the leak detection guy. He puts on his hazmat suit and he's a former army guy. So where he had to go to where the pipe was, was like about two feet big maybe. And so he's army crawling to get to where this leaking. And I'm like, listen, you do that. Take pictures. I'll be standing over here underneath these spider webs and you know, trying to not to step in dog loads and things like that. And so I come out of there. I'm like, listen, ladies, this may not be a job
1: for us. You I know? was going to say, Abai, you were selling it so well, and you just completely crushed it. <laughs> like it's said, it. hey. now you killed it. That's it. Nobody wants to do this now. <laughs> <laughs> the truth is the
0: truth. But, but hey, he's a leak detection. I didn't have to get dirty, but I was underneath those cobwebs. It adds to the adventure. It adds to the story. No two days are alike. Getting to watch guys cut down trees, ladies. You're watching men work up sweat. Uh, you know, you're watching men at work. Their muscles are pumping. So that part is the bonus. Those are the icings on the cakes that I get to uh, get to enjoy. But it's true. No two. And you go into different homes. You see some overly decorated homes. You're like, wow, you made hoarders this. You made that hoarders. Yes. Oh boy, <laughs> I got a hoard. I got a situation right now. We have to clean out the whole house. We got to bomb the house because it has a pest infestation. And uh, I have to do the lead test for that house. And I'm just waiting for them to get everything out because uh, one of the guys went in there and they threw up because the smell of the mold and stuff was so bad. Uh. So it's, you know, and but again, it's all these like stories that are worthy of writing home about. So versus sitting at
1: a desk, I couldn't I couldn't do a whole desk nine to five, five days a week. I couldn't do it either. Uh, another thing I've been trying to do, are you trying at all? I don't know. Is this at all in, in any kind of initiative that you're trying to do? Because I know you are You just definitely come off of that kind of person. You are a difference maker, Abahi. That's why I love <laughs> you. I think you're great. Um, women in the industry. We I've need more to. women in the industry. I, know. I, know. I don't understand. I, so I interviewed somebody today. I'm hoping and praying that she wants to come work for us because she's a freaking rock star. Nice. And, and, and I was telling her the same thing. I'm like, you're going to crush this. Mm-hmm. Like once you learn just the little, the little things, little details that you need to know about, you know, just the insurance claim policy, you know, all that boring stuff. I guess you would say, like the people skills that she's got, on top of the fact that she is a woman, that she's going to have all these contractors and roofers wrapped around her freaking little pinky. Yep. Like we, I mean, I think women could crush this industry way better than a man can. Right, in my opinion. Right. Maybe more. Right. They and I, I
0: hear that. I hear that for men uh, more often than not. There's a, several, there's a couple of places where uh, people feel women will do better in this industry. One of those is the, the management of the projects, um, putting other people uh, to work. Once you learn the job, Then your women, I guess, have an innate ability that guys see that maybe we don't see ourselves to be able to have multiple plates spinning. Um, So, for example, one I said one one female he helped he actually helped her get started. He taught her everything. Now she's actually his manager because she has those people person skills and she has those leadership skills and abilities. So he said for women who want to be managers, who want to lead teams, he's like, this is the perfect uh, industry for them. The other place that it's really, I think it's key is that and this really kind of comes from college as to how I pick my career. When you're one of, when you're the only female in the group of 20 guys, they're going to look at you and you're going to get called first because they want to be able to have that. Equal uh, that equality in the workplace. So you're going to have the opportunity if you're willing to be in the field to actually get out there, I think, just, uh, just as easily as any other guy, if not maybe easier, because you have a, a bit of that uh,
1: advantage of actually being a female. I also think that if a female could really establish her pitch and establish that not the the word is not dominance, but yeah, I guess like in that in that sales pitch or or, or whatever, like if they're pitching to a contractor or pitching to a homeowner or whatever, if they could establish that control that dominant, it's much more difficult for a man to say no to a woman (laughs) so one of my
0: colleagues also
1: said like
0: uh when the woman comes into the house and they see a baby like all of our focus and attention goes there and the woman of the house loves that you know you're paying attention you're complimenting their kid who is half them and so you 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 easily win people over and i do try at one time vince i would be dressed like the guys i would have my uh, tennis shoes on with, with my uh, what my tactical 411 pants that have all the pockets everywhere. They're basically yeah. like I feel like a police officer in like Cargo pants. Yeah, 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 yeah. And I have my collar, you know, button up. But then you start to put on if you're not going on the roof, of course. You start to put on a a, a skirt. You start to put on a, a nice a nice dress top um and and homeowners are like oh well she's professional let me see what she's doing this work and you know and so you just have a whole different light so I know that I, I not only started doing that because someone commented that uh they wear heels to uh inspections and I was like she said unless she knows she's going on the roof she's dressed up made up and uh and you know you have that that flexibility to be able to do that um in this career so you as a woman have to recall yes you can't have our counterparts just putty because your defenses are going to be down they're going to think you don't know too much and you can play like oh well how would you handle that there you go (laughs) (laughs)
1: and
0: and and it works oh yeah actually that is and then guess what they teach and educate you and then you start to pick up information from all different types of parties, and they remember you, and they and and so that part of it is uh is fun too. But homeowners, I think, generally genuinely really enjoy seeing us out there, and I think
1: we just can, we do a great of a job, excuse me, of connecting with people. Would you ever consider starting your own firm or going out on your own? I don't know if you're allowed to say this working under Metro, but is that something you've thought about or?
0: Yeah. So that's a good question. I think, and I thought about that prior to August and then I started my pitching PA um, on my YouTube channel. So prior to August, I was thinking like all of July, I was just like, man, would I ever start my own firm? And when I came down to it, I don't think I'm that type of personality. I'm the type, if you remember Rugrats, the TV show, Show from back in the day, they had Tommy, who was the leader, and then they had Chucky. And Chucky was always me. Like, I'm always, I'm like a vice president type of gal. I'm not, you be the president, I'll just sit back. It's, you know, so for me, running my own firm, making sure I'm legally compliant, making sure all of these pieces are in place are a little more, it's a little more work than I think I want. I think I'm more like a franchise owner, whereas I don't have to handle the marketing the the recipe. Cause, cause like uh, Ray Kroc, he said, they said, why didn't you just go start your own, company like that's what the mcdonald's brother said but he was like the name was there the food was there the pro- why reinvent the wheel so i think I, I think i could be a more better as a ray crock working from the position that i am now than to stop everything and then in my 50s and
1: 60s try to try to build things up it's not easy. I mean, we're, we're doing it now. We're putting together processes and all these things together and the organizational chart and everybody's roles and everybody's duties and stuff like that. It could be, it could be a little time consuming. So I could understand that. Do you have like the ability to sort of hire people under you at all? Or? That's
0: correct. That's correct. And that's how our, our, our model is at, at Metro. You train people, you'll get a percentage of the claims that they, that they work. And um, that is, when I was even asking you earlier, do the apprentices, you know, pay for that? We don't ask them to pay us. We just say once you start writing your own claims, we'll just take take you get um you get a percentage of the fee, and then we'll get a a, a diff the difference between our level as if we wrote it. Because once we have our fee, so the way Metro works, once they have our fee, then we get if you're new, you get twenty percent of that fee, but if you become a regional manager, you get thirty. So when they get we get that other 10% that they are get. But if they get to regional manager, then they get 30%. But I still get a small percentage if they were on my team. So it's a it's a good um way to have the residual um or passive, I think it's more passive income than residual because it's not monthly, it's not the monthly automatic reoccurring. No.
1: You know, this business, it's like a roller coaster right like it is rally.
0: it is so yeah that's how I, I was telling somebody actually the way I look at my my income is I do it on a quarterly basis because the checks get held up um I have a I have a roofing claim that I'm waiting on the the final uh ACV payment because the mortgage mortgage company was involved they needed three inspections to release a little bit of money that uh tree fell on the house in October. So I'm still so you can't so you can't even look at it in the month by month uh, basis, because your your months may be a little low. But when you look at the quarter, you'll have about the same quarter. Um, you know, time over time. So you have to get your, you know, nest egg built up a little bit, but it really did work for me. I was living at home when I started. Now I have a great apartment in the middle of the city. So
1: nice. Yeah. That's awesome. <laughs> What's your plan for uh, for your YouTube channel? What's some of the things that you that you want to plan on doing that you're excited about that you'd want to share? And if there's any information that you'd like to share with some of the people.
0: Great, great. Uh, the, the goal like I, I could, I'm going to continue to track my journey. Um, I know that I get a lot of people who are interested, um, to, to work with me. Unfortunately, it's like, I'm one person and sometimes people fall in love with me, the, the YouTube personality. Um, and so that, that can kind of take away from us being able to work together, but, um, I'm 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 actually kind of, just
1: crack. I'm sorry I'm cracking up because I understand exactly what right, you're talking about right
0: so um, I'm actually I'm actually I like seeing you out there um, it's kind of motivated me a little bit to um, educate people more on the uh, the claim process and so I'm, I'm kind of steering a little bit to maybe try to see if it's a good source of new claims and I think a few claims have come in from my YouTube channel but not as I haven't really been pressing it so I'm looking into kind of gearing up that way. And those who have already followed me will hopefully also learn from watching homeowners learn. So I'm kind of thinking about my goal is to kind of focus on just educating homeowners by showing them what's covered, what's not covered, why it's not covered, what happens when your uh, inspection. I had one claim hurt me because the home was bought about uh, 18 months prior to a storm coming through, but the inspection showed the different missing shingles. Well, some of them were repaired. Some of them wasn't. And then there was new damage, but the insurer said, well, It impeded because of the late report date, it impeded our ability to be able to make a decision. And I thought, man, this this should have been a, a done deal, should have been one. But we don't have, like in Georgia, we're not able to go to appraisal if we get a denial. I don't know how it works for you guys in Florida, but like in New Jersey, our teams can go to appraisal even if they get a denial. We're not able to do that in Georgia.
1: No, we, we get a denial. We usually try to get a reinspection, and if we can't get anywhere and they're sticking to their denial, we just go to litigation.
0: Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. Gotcha. Gotcha. Yeah. So
1: no appraisal process at all? Yeah, totally. But usually, just on underpayments. If it's okay. just paid low, okay. one, but once once coverage has been established, then mm-hmm. we'll go to appraisal. Okay. Just based on the amount of the claim.
0: Gotcha. Okay. Gotcha. And is that by state law? Like by law, you
1: can't go to appraisal. Man, I mean, honestly, I've never gone to appraisal after denial. Okay. Like, but it's not to say that's not something that we can't do. I mean, I don't see why not. Okay. Gotcha. Yeah, it's our team—they do that.
0: So that's something that our team is learning too, because there's only a few of us here in Georgia. As I'm telling your audience, listen, this is super wide open. There's about five of us in the state of Georgia, and we are loaded with claims, and all of us work claims in different states. So, it's a wide open market to get into the industry. But the um, but in Jersey, there's a lot different, a lot of uh, a set of rules up there that don't apply to us here in Georgia, and vice versa which makes it a little bit uh, more difficult when I'm trying to get things done. And I'm like, you guys said this will work. And they're like, well, I mean, we thought it would,
1: (laughs) but it didn't. You guys are, how many? 200?
0: Yeah, there should be at least 200 what we call claims riders. They're the ones that go right. Basically, there are lead finders. And then we have, I think, 56 adjusters that work claims nationwide. Oh, so the
1: leads are coming in. So you don't have to network. I mean, you're going to obviously do your own networking, but you do mm-hmm. have a consistent uh, f- uh, flow of claims coming in. That's, that's correct. fantastic.
0: Yeah, that's correct. So it's a little bit, it's, you know, again, so that's another, you know, reason why it's like they already got the system going. And one thing that I always tripped over when I was doing my own business, I started as a, uh, I tried to help like this people who were authors get their books out is when once you sign the client, then you have to do the work. Right. So then you lose. I lost the ability to be able to find more clientele um, because I'm like trying to focus on the work. So then when you're doing the work, no money is coming in. And I think MailChimp creator had actually the same issue at first with the business that they were starting. But, yeah, it's very nice to be able to know that there's a flux of claims uh, coming in. And so now what I'm doing is I'm training two people under me to also help with that flow of claims so I can actually go back to claims writing, which I prefer the educating of other people. And you said there's training. Mm -hmm, That's correct. And is it all over the country, every state? It is, right now we have a lot of virtual training available. If someone wants to go from a claims rep to a field adjuster, we do have an eight day uh, adjuster university training program in Ben Salem, Pennsylvania. You'll learn from our director of adjusting and he'll, uh, he'll be able to approve you to then start the actual adjusting of the claims and meeting with adjusters, writing letters and estimates.
1: Let's talk after the show. I mean, this is pretty cool. Like, like you said, for somebody who 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 just wants to get into the industry, I'm all about public adjusting in general, anyway. And I mean, I don't know. Maybe let's talk. Maybe be a sponsor or something on the show or something like
0: that. Yeah, absolutely. I wouldn't. I would not be surprised if they um, if they wouldn't want to do that. And um, I know that if you being in Florida, that's one area we have it's trouble for us being as big as we are because of the apprenticeship situation so we have uh one adjuster in uh celebration florida and so we can only do one the two apprentices so it's like a per year so it's like that is nice to have them there but florida is a very big bottleneck for us so we're not a comp we're not competition for you at all in Florida um and New York is
1: also the we're same not way competition period are you kidding I know, me right <laughs> that never made any sense to me that's why we do the meetups and everything so that public nice. adjusters could come together because it's, it's we're not there's enough work out there I mean look there's always like like we were talking about insurance not only is there always insurance but there's always going to be pipe bursts there's always going to be fires. Unfortunately, there's always going to be yeah. hailstorms. There's always going to be hurricanes. There's always going to be some kind of natural disaster. So it exactly. will always be work no matter what.
0: Exactly. And unlike other jobs like real estate, um, you know, for us, it's very easy to work claims in other states. As right. you you know, that's why we have the other licenses. It's much more simple to be able to I've adjusted claims in Washington state. I've never been to the state never been to maryland you know it's just about having somebody on the ground who can be your eyes and ears but
1: after that you know you're good to go that's fantastic i like this this is cool yeah no you you learned a lot i learned a lot (laughs) yeah you you, and i learned a lot about your company too which i think is really cool yeah awesome 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 well uh, it's great right (laughs) you have anything else that you'd like to add no
0: man I'm all talked out and I got two uh, I got two uh policy reviews coming up here at five and six so um yeah I got to get ready for those but this I appreciate you for letting me come on and, and talk shop I also appreciate your audience for uh giving us the opportunity to to educate them and be in their ears for an hour an hour and a half
1: yeah, for sure. Abahi, um, we've known each other now. We've been, we've talked for a while now, so thank you so much. Uh, let's stay in contact and let's, uh, let's maybe we can meet each other in person. one of these. I days. know.
0: <laughs> yeah. Fantastic. And just as a warning, I'm five and a half. So I don't want you to be intimidated when you come just,
1: up. Just as a warning, I'm five foot seven. So okay.
0: <laughs> I'm a little guy. <laughs> awesome. With a big heart. Awesome. Vince. There thank you, you so much.
1: Thank you. Abahi. Good luck out there. All right. Bye. All right. Bye.